right? Because when you look, you take a, the brain out of a man and the brain out of a woman, right? There's a, <laughs> there's not much difference, right? It's the way we use the tool of that brain that gets us where we need to get. I'm a sibling to six others. Um, what only one brother and five other sisters, one sister that is autistic that I looked after as a young child. And um, my secular work is working as a mental health freelance practitioner in my local community. I'm a retired psychiatric nurse, so that's why I ventured into mentoring in mental health because I didn't see the hospital environment as finishing off the work I needed to do with a patient and it left me wanting. And um, within my community itself, I do like to volunteer things, doing charity walks and events um, to help at grassroots charity events. Um, myself, I'm, I count myself as being my own specialist subject. And it's, it's quite, quite a statement to have really because I think if you work on yourself, then you can excel in everything else. And we tend to have our jobs, we tend to push at our jobs more than we push at our own beings. And I think we need to swap, flip the switch on that, work on ourselves more, and then we will excel in everything else because we tend to put ourselves on the back burner and let life carry us away. But we should be carrying life, not letting life carry us. So that's the kind of person I am. Um, and I'm married happily married been with the same person for 31 years now i have three children and three grandchildren and it's a girl and two boys and again a girl and two boys so there's something something happening in the water there i'm not sure what it is but i like it in uh, and as he says yes i'm a multiple published author a singer songwriter performance poet dance choreographer and very much a creative being Yes, so oh my goodness, yes, so much that you do, and um, that's absolutely awesome. And you. you know, when where do you find time? You're you know, you're a family woman, you're a married woman, you've got children. I didn't I didn't even realise you had grandchildren. Yeah. How do you find time to fit all this in, including the volunteer work that you do? I think uh, it stemmed from the fact that being the sixth child out of seven and looking after my um, autistic sister. I was always on a, almost on a conveyor belt run. So my body was going before my brain a lot of the times. And I'm an itchy person. I, I, sitting still or being stagnant doesn't suit me. And it doesn't, it doesn't suit a lot of people. You know, either the mind runs away with them or the body runs in front of the mind. Now, a lot of the time, my body goes before my mind, unfortunately. But my mind is catching up. And it's catching up because I tend to try and do as many creative writing things now, which has become my steam in my engine. So, yeah, it's my blueprint. I've never been a stagnant person. So it's normal for me to have five, four, five, six hours maximum of sleep and the rest of it being active during the day. So I like to fill my day and I don't want to waste my life, Imani, because life is short, really short. You know, I liked what you said earlier on about you being your specialist subject and yeah. um, how you feel about, you know, being spiritual being first and foremost. You mm. know, is, is that um, 
How would you define your spiritual journey? What, 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 how does that, what does that look like? Well, I think everyone's spirit is how their conscience is led. I think it's where, where we center from. You know, that feeling that we always have, there's always something that is leading us. But because our flesh is something of lust and greed and dominance, we tend to suppress the spirit, which is light and endearment and love. And the flesh is always suppressing that. So I do my utmost to let my spirit come to the surface like oil and water and rule my fleshly body so that everything I can see has got some light within it, even in the pit of darkness. I want to, I search for that light and try to find the positive in every negative. And if we lead our lives like that, then we will become our own specialist subject. We'll be determined to make our equilibrium of spirit and body become aligned because that's the only way we can drive and propel in life. That's the only way we can find our purpose and our destiny. And it's the only way, Imani, we as a human race will be humankind and not human blind. Oh, I love that. Yes. We need to wake up, open our eyes and um, definitely, you know, see the truth. And, 100%. Uh, I love that. Wow. You know, um, there's so much, there's so much here to talk about this evening in terms of your work, what you do. Now, mm. you're a multi-published author of about six, is that about seven, six or seven books? I know one you wrote mm. on your own, but you also did some anthologies as well. Can you talk about how you got into um, writing and um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your books. Well, I don't know whether any of the listeners that are listening right now or will listen on on the repeat um, are dyslexic. But a dyslexic brain has many facets. A dyslexic brain runs ahead of everything. A dyslexic brain is trying to find a, a B backout plan, a C, a D, an E backout plan. Because a dyslexic brain is always thinking, no one is going to acknowledge the A brain. No one is going to acknowledge what I've tried to deliver firsthand because they have not got my brain. And dyslexic don't understand other dyslexics. <laughs> so it's bad enough. So we can resonate, but we're all, we're all controlled in a different mechanism. So for me, when I started writing, first of all, I, I, I no one understood my writing to begin with anyway, because I have a, a way of having my sentences back to front and have to de-scramble them. So I began to use my the image in my head of a picture to insert that within my writing. So my, my writing became um, very much more um, um, methodical and illustrative and picturesque and, and flowery even. So that's how I became the lyricist I am today. Um, I wanted to paint a picture within my writing so that it could explain what I was trying to explain. So the, the more I wrote, and obviously when I wrote my um, triple, my autobiographical trilogy about my life and the facets in my life, the decades in my life, I got better. And I didn't think, Imani, I didn't believe I would ever be accepted as a writer. Never mind asked to join anthologies because of the work that I did previously. I mean, that was quite astonishing. Yeah, and not one anthology group or two, but six have accepted my writing. My dyslexic brain 
has been authentic enough to be legible, <laughs> to be legibly read by other people and understood and put on a platform and joined with other serious, bona fide published authors in their own right. Me with them, it was like, excuse me? So, of course, I took that on board. I absorbed it. I was uplifted by, elevated by, empowered, inspired. And I just joined as many as I could because I've got so much to say. Wow. You know, that is so <laughs> awesome. You know, certainly talking about the journey, you know, dyslexia and overcoming that and being mm. part of so many, so many books so many public yeah books, you know? yeah and uh, you know that's that's amazing and and would you say that um there's always been something in you that was always about overcoming always about you know when people said no you were always going to prove that it was a yes were you did you always have that inner strength within you do you know what um i do believe that i have had that inbuilt skin skill god gifted because when I look back and I think, obviously at that age and that time, I didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing it, but I was just doing it. And I was doing it well. As a two-year-old looking after a child, a sibling that is 11 months younger than you with autism. I mean, you, you, you can't make that up. A two-year-old on their own is just finding their independence, they're stubborn, they're difficult. And I put me aside to take control of an autistic sibling. That is not me. That has got to have been a gift instilled in me by God because how I managed it, when I look back and I see those vivid images of what I was doing, what I was controlling, what I was managing, the tantrums, etc., etc., it's unbelievable. It, 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 it's undigestible to comprehend what I was going through at that age. Because after having my own children and I saw my two-year-old and, and, and what they were doing at that age and three and four and five and six and seven even, there's no way I would have put them in responsibility of, of, of a child with autism. It, no. Just, just, just no. So there was something in me planted from day one. And, and it, it just grew from there. The seed was there. It kept on being watered from the activity that I was, to begin with, forced to do. And then secondly, that I grew into. And then thirdly, that I began to enjoy and excel in. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I, mean, I know that that story is in one of your books um, that people can... I know you're going you're gonna to do something for us um, Hmm. during this conversation i know you're going to do a, is it you're going to do a performance um because i because the next thing i want to talk to you about is your acting so how oh. did you get into acting ah oh. well acting came in school to begin with you know um with plays and that but i used to go to a sheila maria's dance school um, when i was younger and they did performances and things in there and from that early age i found that it wasn't difficult for me. Now, I'm not even going to say that as a triumph. I'm going to say that as a sad mask that I put on at that time. Because I, as a young child, I didn't feel I was seen at home. 
being in in the middle of one elderly um sister an older sister that had bronchitis wobbly knees and earache and then my autistic sister the other side of me younger and me in the middle of those two as i saw it i was overlooked so i would act and overly act and exaggerate on everything to be the person that i thought they wanted to see you know just so that i could be better more 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 uh, exposed so that i could be seen amongst the seven siblings to make my mother and father proud so from day one without realizing i was acting a part i was already acting a part so when it came to acting when it came to being given a character to play in a play or in some theater or in a dance thing you want i was so used to being a different character when i was asked to do it it came automatically so in a sad sense the blueprint was ingrained in me so when it came to me doing it on a professional manner it it was like putting on an old comfortable cardigan you know i didn't find it stressful or anything like i i i embraced it immediately and i can literally play any character going male or female yeah yeah <laughs> yeah are you going to do one a character for us in a little uh, I will. in a little while that's awesome i will oh yeah mm-hmm. so, i will you know with you know cuz going to an acting school and what have you would you say because I, I hear all the time when people do you know get into acting and they go to the you know the acting school and the things that that they pull out different things from themselves would you say that that is would you say that's something that you feel um say children or people you know can learn so much about themselves and like you know when people are shy when people are hold, held back oh yeah definitely and that's why i use the art um as part of my bespoke approach when i'm doing my mental ill health in the community with people because i think that everyone's got that creative spark that spirit in them or that 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 wanting to change or to morph into someone else to give them that confidence and you don't realize that you are doing it when you you choose certain items of clothing you can walk go into your wardrobe and you says i want to wear that today because i it makes me feel like this you can have different outfits and it changes your character when you wear those outfits and people don't realize how much makeup and clothes can change the characteristics of an individual and make them feel in different ways you see that is taking on a character that is different from your own but you are choosing it inadvertently choosing it when you open your wardrobe or when you choose clothes on the high street or in certain shops you are doing it without thinking so that comes in anyway and we morph into into different characters that we 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 deal with at work we we morph we 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 sponge up each other's energy and personalities on a daily basis and evolves and absorbs into our own characteristics inadvertently as well so sometimes when we are given a character or something to do it's actually already in there because we are great people watchers and when we try to um replicate someone or a character we find that we dig into our search engine memory bank and we pluck out characters from our past or what on TV or anything else and we emulate that into a character form that we ad lib and we method act and that actually can be an automatic thing that we do because 
I don't know about you, Imani, but if you're in a group of people for a certain amount of time and you're talking with them for an a length of time, you actually begin to pick up their accents, their mannerisms, and everything else after a period of time. And you don't realize it until someone points it out or you look back and you're thinking, I'm talking like them. You can actually hear it starting to come out of your mouth, but it's automatic because we morph into each other. That's why it's very important about who we surround ourselves with. You know, so it is there. So when you do, when when I do my mental health thing, if, if I am talking with them in a certain way and they are talking erratically, I slow my voice down just enough so that they can begin to slow their breathing down and it comes down slower and slower. And you know, it's like a yawn and then you yawn. So your mannerisms can do the immense profound things to other people if you observe them enough to change them without them realizing that's quite a skill um, it's almost like mirroring them changing yeah. someone's state so if someone's agitated and you know go yeah you would change your you will come down to a, a much yeah more calmer that's, that's right you then, got it girl because you understand that you know people pick up each other's and morph into each other they will start to calm down mm. as well absolutely oh, I love that. absolutely wow. <laughs> how, how is what came first? so um acting did acting came before come before your writing or did they kind of come about at the same sort of time what would you say i think my writing came beforehand because even though I didn't realize I was writing, you know, because at school I was taken out of my lessons quite a lot to look after my sister. Um, so when it came to my homework, I had to sort of make it up. <laughs> so I, um, in order to be uh, understood with my homework, because I didn't get the, the, the theory beforehand, I would do lots of different things, side pieces of notes to explain what I was trying to do on the page that I didn't know. So I think, um, teacher, I think this means this and, and I think that it looks like it means this and looks like it means that. And, and I'll draw this picture. This picture is because I don't really understand that, but I think it means this. And do you think it's the same? So there was a lot of different things that I added to compensate for what I didn't understand. Um, and it was more than what I needed. So my teachers always knew that I had a creative, imaginative brain. And I would have lots of these pieces and diaries and books and things all stored up in one go. But also a lot of things was imaginary and because I wanted to be out of my life and somewhere else. You know, um, obviously talking about dyslexia and that's a, you know, really sort of um, important, you know, important topic because as, as, as you're saying, it just seems as though schools, I think it's getting better, but... You, do, do you feel that they actually recognise that people with dyslexia have an intelligence that, you know, they're not always um, working, you know, they're not always providing, the, you know, the way you, you would learn in a, yeah. an easy way? Because it sounds to me like you had to teach them how to teach you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. You've got, you've got it in one. Um, I think I feel ashamed for teachers sometimes um, because they're given the curriculum and they're given certain guidelines that they have to adhere to and follow. It's protocol. 
But I'm sure some of them want to jump out of that box and deliver their own creativity to a class. And I believe teachers that excel on that is the ones that do deliver their own creativity to a class. And they, they have to take that home and they haven't got that many hours. They have to take that home to deliver a lesson differently from the actual curriculum guidelines to make it more exciting and not so monotone and to, to the, the pupils that want to learn. And these are teachers that would spot the dyslexic ones or the, the individual pupils that need that extra different um, tutoring. Because not everyone is tunnel vision. A lot of us look through the tunnel but also have a very vivid peripheral left and right. And dyslexics have a very, very vivid peripheral left and right and not always a very direct tunnel vision, one-tracked mind. And that's why we have we have our A, B, C, D and E plan all the time, our backup. And that is good because a lot of people that are tunnel-driven, um, tunnel driven, if they fall, they don't know how to get back up, Imani. Because they've only had that one-track thought and... If I fail in this, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, but at this, yeah, dyslexic, you say, the dyslexic already thinks they're going to fall anyway. Right? So the fear in us failing is not as deep as with other people because we already envisage, okay, someone may not understand this. So if you don't understand the A1, I'll do a B1, I'll do a C1, just in case. So we definitely drive with three to begin with, but a lot of us have got a fourth and a fifth. So we've got many hurdles that we can trip up on, but we've still got a backup plan. That, that's the thing, isn't it? So when you break it down like that, you can hmm. see that what might be labeled as dyslexia is somebody who's very powerful with many avenues. And, oh gosh, yes. um, you know, the school curriculum only sort of focuses on the keeping people in one avenue and cutting yeah. away at the creativity. And, exactly. And really just, and, yeah. And that is like saying that your 30 pupils in the class are all named Peter. Right? You, to me, you have to be as diverse as the, the various pupils that are sitting before you, teacher. You know? They are only got you to look at. Right? But you have got all of them to look at. Very difficult for a teacher to, to bring the dynamics out of each pupil without having that extra creativity brain. So I think dyslexic teachers are better than any other teacher because we are looking for the, the, for, for, for the, the off-cut. You know, we are looking for the runt in the pack and all the rest of it. We're, we're looking for them already because we are one of them that people perceive as being like that. But we are so much more. I just love the way you broke that down and um, you know I, I think what you're saying as well is it is changing but it, it could, it's still you know it could still be better but yes yeah. it, it's still conformed it's still constrained you know it, it, it's it's almost like a stereotype and my god we do not want to be compartmentalized into stereotypical blocks and conformities We've got to, in society, start to see people as the individuals they are and not as group species. Do you know? It's, oh, they will never look at it. I see animal programs on the TV and these people go out and you're thinking, oh my God, all of these lines look the same. You say, no, no, you see, you see the mane on this one that we've named such and such and you see the markings on this one. 
you know, and those animals look more or less the same as when you put a, a group of individual human beings together. The difference is so, so vast. But you put a group of lions together and it's like, okay, all of these male lions, I can't spot the difference, you know. But you put a group of male, 10 male people to get men together and you can spot the difference straight away. So if they're doing that with, with the animal kind, marking out the differences, I'm going to come on, mark out the difference, the individual differences that we've had. Stop putting us into stereotypical groups. Ex experiment with the way that we are experimenting with the diversities in life and accept every single one of us because we're all beautifully made. I mean, come on, wake up to the program. Absolutely. And that's it, isn't it? It's like taking all these individuals and feeding a program yeah. And wanting everyone to follow that one program, that sort of cloned learning. And oh, so, yeah. You know, give taking away the, the, the sort of that in, you know, that sort of that thing that makes you unique. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And the thing is, every every leadership program in society is updating itself. How many times have you updated your phone in, in this year so far? You know, everything is being updated. Everything is being fine-tuned. But the mentality of these white-collar, stiff-shirted leaders seem to still have us in these groups of people, right? And seem to think that they can tell us what our groups are special for. <laughs> you know, and that these certain groups because they live in this area in this environment and so on and so forth there's no point going there because you're not going to find individuals within that area within that postcode that have got any value that can add to the table do you know and my goodness that just might be the seasoning that they need on their salt and pepper you know, it just might be that. Step out of the box. Step out of the box and find what is out there. I mean, no, no. Within that postcode that have got any value that can add to the table. Do you know? And my goodness, that just might be the seasoning that they need on their salt and pepper. You know, it just might be that. Step out of the box. Step out of the box and find what is out there. I mean, no, no. No red rose is the same as another red rose. That one could have 17 thorns on them. Within that post. Kings and queens, we are having some problems. Let's see. We're going to bring Janetti back. Hello, Janetti. Hi, what happened? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was just about to make some excuses and um, here you are. So carry on from where you were. Yeah, well, this is, this is just it, isn't it? You know, you can, no, it's lovely. And listen, when it's live, this is what happens. The show must, the show must, must go, go on. on. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, we we're just talking about um, nature and, and two roses. You can have two red roses and one can have 17 thorns and the other one can have nine, but there's still two red roses. One would hurt you more than the other. So everything has got its unique blueprints. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, and in finding each other's unique blueprint, it might just be the blueprint that you need, even though things to the surface look the same. 
Very powerful. I love that. You know, it's so, so true. And, mm. um, you know, I, I feel as humanity, we, we must, um, I don't like to use the word fight, but we must keep, you know, putting that out so that the, the changes keep going. Um, because otherwise, you know, the, the people are being kept down that have got so, so much to offer, um, you know, the, 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 the global community. Mm, mm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with using the word fight if it's used in the right context, you know, because if you were fighting for your child, you know, to, to be seen and to be understood and not to be bullied, you would use that. Fight, if it's used in the right context, it shows your passion to, to get justice. You know, sometimes certain words have to be used for the, the power that they are given. You know, so... um. I'm just going to correct you on that, in my opinion, that sometimes we have to use the word fight, yeah, in order for people to understand where we're coming from, that, that we are ready to stand up and be counted, and we're willing to go all the way. You know, I don't use the word fight lightly, but when Jeanette T. Barrett uses the word fight, you must know that the wrath of John is on its way. You know, so be ready to have your shield up because I'm firing my arrows. No, yes, I, I totally hear you. And um, yeah, it is important to keep going and, and like you say, you know, don't give up and um, no. put that power and that passion into That's what right. you truly, truly believe. Yeah, I mean, if many people preceding us and before us and everything else didn't have the power to fight, where would half of us be now? As far as as far as rights for women, if the suffragettes didn't do what they did, you know, if Joan of Arc, Bodicea, and all the different people didn't stand up in the front of the front of the army and march, we women would probably still be. Oh my goodness, I don't even want to go there. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't look good. No. We, yeah. Yeah, no, you. you know, you know, some of us had to just, you know, be in front of those men and said, look, I'm just as strong, I'm just as powerful, but I'm different in my approach. You know, we're not talking about equal strength here, right? Because when you look, you take a, the brain out of a man and the brain out of a woman, right? There's, a, <laughs> there's not much difference, right it's the way we use the tool of that brain that gets us where we need to get and that's the powerful thing yeah absolutely yeah the feminine feminine energy or the brain the way a woman uses her brain and the way mm. a man is you know it's still it's two different strengths isn't it so absolutely yeah. absolutely and and i value the female intuition that sixth sense oh my goodness all men are frightened of that you know ooh, they know that we can we can juggle six cylinders and, and they can juggle the two they can juggle two very well we can juggle six very well so who is the greater ah hmm yeah, and I, I feel when, and that's the thing, when man and woman comes together, you know, that's Ooh, the power. Powerful force. Power, yeah, that's absolutely. Right. And when they value what each other can bring to the table as well. You know, when you have a man and woman that are equally aligned, it's a beautiful thing. When they respect each other's brain and each other's differences, it's a beautiful thing. 
Because when those two forces come together, it's a storm to be reckoned with. It's a formidable force, you know, and it can never be broken. Never. And I think you, you nailed it there with the differences. And that's the same for everything. You know where there's always this power struggle because this person's mm. different or that person's different mm. or this mm. group is different. It, when when the world is able to um, accept and know wow and see the yeah. beauty and the and the, and the power in mm. diver in you know in the in the difference in the diversity, that's yeah. when I feel you know we will see the maximum change. And I'll tell you about the, the four C words that um, I have a um, quotation of two C words from Sharon Brown, one of the anthology books that i was in and another from another girl that um i involved with her name is justina and justina said to me one day she says we need to complete each other and not compete with each other two c's and sharon brown uses collaboration over competition it's four c's you know and really in life when we join forces with one another, if our ultimate aim is to complete each other rather than compete with each other, then maybe we can enhance each other's differences to the maximum effect. And the same as collaboration over competition, because competing with each other on a daily basis is draining our own natural resources. It makes us tired to excel. But when we collaborate and, you know what, you're very good at this. But I'm actually a little bit better at that bit than you. So your excellence and my excellence can be something dynamic. You know, but we cannot always be dynamic on our own steam. But with someone else's enhancement, we can be dynamic together. Why do you think we went from the horse and cart to the car, you know, and, and from two horse engine to six horse engine and so on? It's all about collaboration and enhancing the actual core strength of something and making it better. You know, that's all it is. That's all it is because we may start off as something, but because we're evolving every time. Right? And we must all accept our involvement in our bodies as well as our minds. Then we are taking on board other things at the same time. And, and at the same time, we are shedding some of the excess things that we no longer need. So the things that we are shedding, what are we replacing them with? You know, we must replace them with things of value. It's not like keeping those size eight and six clothes in the wardrobe when you know you're a size 14, you know. Come on, you know you're not going to get back into them. Get rid, get them somewhere else and get some new size 14s and 12s. You know what I'm saying? Right? That's going to look good on your body. Not, not strangling you and make you look like a sausage squeezing out, you know, from the other end. That is just silly. That's not enhancing you. That's not making you look good. That's not making you feel good. You know, so it's the same. It's the same with everything. You know, we're going to shed and we're going to gain at the same time. Um, totally hear you that there. I love what you said there about you know, not the competition. You know, not com not compete, but complete mm. and yeah. collaborate. And you know, it's mm. so powerful when you know, people because. 
the whole point of being the individual is that you fit when you fit and you when you come together with others you lock in and that's, that's right. when the key turns and something magical happens that's right so, a piece of a that. piece of string is not as good as a piece of twine and a piece of twine is not as strong as a rope exactly. you know and a chain with one link can't hold anything together that's just like a key ring <laughs> you know, you ain't gonna hold nothing. You need a chain sometimes, and chain that can't be broken. You know, to hold things together. Wow, so much wisdom coming from Janetti. You know, Janetti. <laughs> um, what I'd like you to do now is, I know you're going to um, share some of your talent and wisdom with us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, are you ready? Are you ready to go? Yeah. Well, I really, really wanted to read a poem. In, I don't know what kind of voice I'm going to put on, but I want to read one of my poems that is all about us coming out of this lockdown because I think that would resonate with everyone. Ah, oh, fantastic. And it's actually called The Awakening is Happening. Okay. The Awakening is Happening. Our hibernating minds stifled and crushed off our forgotten skills that lay dormant in cells and membranes. They are penetrating our dreams now, it seems. They are emerging. The awakening is happening. Our itchy fingers once flexed, stretched out from clenched fists and sweaty palms. Frustrated from the inactivity they are blessed with. Now press keypads, old pens, paintbrushes, clay and tools again. There is no when or how, just now. The awakening is happening. For this torrid time allowed the space to think and grow, to revisit, reinvent and realign. With self, with family, in a way long since gone, talking openly, fixing the wrong, eating at the table and getting along. The awakening is happening. Now the garage is cleared, the clutter is gone, the hedge is cut and the DIY jobs are done. The light appears through all our windows, inclusive of the one to our souls. We can see clearly now what was always there, so we can adorn ourselves more because we, as a united people, are showing glimpses of care. The awakening is happening. With the love of ourselves growing and the awareness of our bodies and minds aligning, we balance our negative energies by surrounding ourselves with productive positives to become more grounded, more centered and more able, therefore more stable. The awakening is happening. Within the awareness we find the ability to share our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, our inner frailties with an assurance of freedom to openly shed our tears. It's good to cry without fears. The awakening is happening. Now we are in the know. There is no turning back to the same track of normal. How can we do that when we have visited the abnormal? The awakening is happening. Our natural disposition has experienced the supernatural and we were compelled to step out of our comfort zones and shake off our doubtful self-pity moans. The awakening is happening. Can you feel its surge of impulsive adrenaline running through your very being? I'm telling you, the awakening is happening within you. 
It's bursting in you and it's bursting in me. Even when we become still, our bodies force our minds to spring forth what is new. We may have dug deep like seeds in soil, but it permitted us time to allow our rooted skills, hobbies and dreams to come out and grow. Stand tall with me now in your blossoming glow to reap what you have sown. The awakening is happening, like a fresh spring cleansing. We adorn ourselves with fresh clothing called resilience, patience, and understanding. The awakening is happening, just breathe it in. The awakening is happening, just breathe it in. The awakening is happening, breathe to face your fight and stand upright, whatever your plight, and let the awakening happen so you can return to you, be you, be true, and always follow through in all you do. Because the awakening is happening in you wow oh my gosh <clears throat> even the you know the, the the voice you know you kind of just became a different person with the awakening and and i love that oh, because thank you what you what you what you're saying there is um <clears throat> where we were you know going you know here there and everywhere and so busy mm. and going down the wrong road and now what you're saying is people had to come back to themselves. People had to, you know, That's enjoy right. each other's companies. People had yes. to, you know, look at the things that they were stuffing down within themselves and bring them to the surface and share them, you know, all these vulnerable things that, you know, and people had it. to be, yeah. So it was and like, it, and it, wow. And it was okay. I love that. The things you were frightened with, it, it was okay to go there, wasn't it, you know? We showed our true selves to each other without the makeup, without the fancy clothes, over Zooms. We just, we just were we, ourselves. And we embraced ourselves. And we embraced, most importantly, Imani, we embraced all of our crazy. That in itself is true ownership of who we really are. That's what I mean by returning back to you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, that's awesome i loved i loved it absolutely Thank brilliant you. and i love <laughs> that you will say you know the talents the the hidden talents the things that you know kind of you know people started to pick up their paintbrushes and mm. you know create become creative yeah um, people started new things courses um businesses um you know yeah. started you know doing things you know making things craft you know and we um, came out of our comfort zone yes magic mm -hmm. happens doesn't it when yeah yeah <laughs> beyond the beyond the comfort zone mm, mm. and it's okay being there absolutely absolutely <laughs> well you know i gosh because the books i know you've got did you did you bring any of your books um have you got any of your books around you and and to I, read I a have. short excerpt from there yeah yeah i i have um because I've got them all. <laughs> do you know when you talked earlier on um a few times about being two years old and um being mm. so you know having so much responsibility yeah and um i don't know if you've got that book um well, yeah, the, yeah. The, the first book they never saw me triumphant through my yes, early years. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but whatever you, if you have another book that you wanted to read from, because really, you know, you've done so much and it's so amazing, and people need to know, 
you know your yeah. work and how to find you and everything so that's right well the second book um after the first one which is called they never saw me trying through my early years that's only um my life between the age of two and eleven and the second of the trilogy yeah the second in the trilogy i don't know who i am is a very profound finding out of um because i was wearing the varied personalities and going to what i thought people wanted to see in me you know um the second book of me through my teenagers and and early 20s finding out what was going on in my life and everything like that who was i because i i, I did i lost myself at two years old i was supposed to be trying to find my independence and my personality but I, I i stopped that to look after my sister and also to to transmit something that i thought my parents wanted to see my sisters wanted to see or anybody else wanted to see and at two years old i'm sorry listeners but that was the beginning of me being sexually abused by my uncle so of course i i i i stopped i i just became inward so in book two and um, all of my books they all have poetry written within them and i i put the put the poet yeah i put the poetry in places where i find words difficult to come out of myself or the poetry actually transmits my feelings so in book two i don't know who i am the poem that is called i don't know who i am i'll read that to you now yes please thank you okay i should have been as smart as them but i looked at my clothes especially the hem and to me i look more like a wayward recluse with bits pinned up and other parts hanging loose i got even more stressed as i grew because none of the clothes that came to me were new except underwear i just wanted to grow up as fast as i could so i could get a job and buy some clothes that were good i soon changed my mind about that i didn't want to grow at all something was wrong with mom that made me bind down my chest to keep it flat it triggered my earlier childhood traumas i really didn't need to be stressing over mom not on top of all the rest still being the stubborn girl i was i held up my head although all the uncertainties around me filled me with dread i began a dramatic metamorphosing change do this do that my complex personalities all wanted to chat why should i listen i would say to myself you're confusing me more you should listen it's only us who's got your back that's for sure they would reply i'd rather dig an hole and climb right in it dig away janetty you'll only have to climb out to the same old shit i'll dance it away then i'll, I'll just pretend again you can't stop me why would we want to do that we'll dance with you too if you like and gladly Remember the originality that the music will eventually stop it won't matter how much we dance till we drop this may not feel like your rightful role a firm voice spoke which i now believe to be my spiritual soul you've got to stop running and digging them holes okay i hear you just just shut up and let me be gosh I, I don't know who you are. I am really. I just sometimes need space to dream in my fantasy. These flipping cards I've been dealt. That's who I felt all of them. Negatives. 
sometimes death feels easy. It pleases me to just sleep and sleep. Am I a coward then? You know, like they say in the films, I don't care because when those images pop right up, just like really close and swim around in my head, I can't take it because it's too gross. Death means I won't see. Death means I'll be free. I, I love to escape, don't, don't you see? I need to be free. So while I don't want to live in reality, your voice is all telling at me, yelling at me. Yes, it's easy for you to scream. It's only me I see in them dreams. Not none of you. You, 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 you weren't even there. Come join us. You say you want to write and unite, but you don't really care. Even when I know God's there, yeah, I can feel him coming through. Shut you up, it's true. Even with him, I still don't know what to do. I need to think, to breathe, to grow. I need my time, don't you think I know? I cannot keep walking on this tight rope of mine. There we are. Wow. <laughs> My goodness. Wow. I just, I love that. You know, the, the voices that, and as I'm listening to it, I'm feeling that it's the many voices. As you yeah. said, you know, when you're at that stage in your life where you don't know who you are because there's yeah. all these different, you know, parts of you wanting to take, you know, wanting to just wanted to take the, the center. And um, exactly. yeah, it's like, and then obviously we know that the best of you won because here you are with us today with That's all this right. amazing and it's a struggle it's a struggle to with all those other elements you know that yeah. and that bit where you mentioned about um not wanting to be here you know that's yeah. a, it's almost like that's a kind of prompting it's like go on do it you know that type of thing yeah it's like, that's no right. yeah that's amazing and again the the voice and how do you choose how do you how does that come about? Do you do you know beforehand that how you're going to um, perform that or, you know, do the recitation of that poem? Well, unfortunately, you, you know that people in real life do have voices that talk to them. Oh, yes. And I had a male as well as three female voices talking back at me that were all me. The male character that I keep hidden, but I use it when I do, I play um, male roles that are vicious male roles. The male character that kept on coming out of my personality was a character that I wanted to be stronger than my brother and my father. So that, that developed because I was beaten a lot by my father and my brother, my brother wasn't there to help me really, you know, so um, I developed that and it's got part the voice came out as part of my, my father and part of my brother, but also part of me. So it's a very mixed male, strong male voice that was in me. And then the other, the other female voice, and one of them has got a very weird accent. I don't even know where it comes from. Wow. But when it, when it does come, it, and it's very real to me, and because I've got the memory bank of those voices, and in order for me to control those voices that, of course, were me and my personalities that I couldn't control because I had a hormonal imbalance, that my memory has retained the echoing of those voices and I can use them now. I, I, I had a, 
yeah, I can use them now, and that that's my power um, of control and suppressing my multiple personality disorders and my PTSDs, which I've been able to do, and that's why I have to continue to be creative. And I use, and when I see the voices in my clients in the community, I'm there on them straight away. And because I sometimes talk to the voices that they talk, they can be talking to me, Imani, and they and another personality comes into it. I can see the body language, the eyes, the voice changes. And I would also change my voice to master the character that they've got. And when I'm able to master that character, they become incubated back into the person and the person's true character comes back to the surface and I enable them to have that control again. And my God, that is that is definitely a God-given gift because people are frightened when the relatives, when they hear the conversation going on downstairs or in the garden or wherever it is, of their loved one being counselled by myself and they hear me coming up with those different things, they don't know where they don't know whether to call to call another counsellor to help us both out because I think my God has my son or my daughter transmitted a personality into the counselor that I've account for. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I have got to laugh at that because they, they don't understand my method until they hear it, but the results are profound and um, it's a unique niche that I've got and and I I didn't, it, it, it wasn't given to me in training, it was something that I had from life and was able to control myself and I can use it as an understanding to each others. Well, you know, gosh, Janetti, I could talk to you all, all day. I want to hear more poems. I want to hear so much. We've only got six <laughs> minutes. Please I've just quickly more, tell, tell us quick. You'll have to come back, but tell us about book three. And then I want you to, you know, for mm -hmm. a minute or so, just share, you know, some, um, anyone going through anything, you know, just share some yes, encouragement, yes. what have you. Also, please well, let people know how they can contact you and get the books and, okay, you know, the, definitely. yeah. Well, the, the third book, and I think this is, this book is very short. It's only like 13 and a half thousand um, words in comparison to like the 35 and 40,000 in the other two. But this book, the title itself, Cries from Their Selves, Walking on Forgiveness Road. Now, I believe that in trauma with anyone, and trauma is a widespread thing because people, oh, trauma, abuse and stuff. No, trauma is anything that someone in life cannot um, take control over. It, it, it's, it's taken over. It could be finance. It could be communication with a child. It could, it could be loss of self, Imani. Loss of, of their own personality that don't know um, what they're doing in themselves anymore. And that could be traumatic to them, you know. So trauma is, is a broad spec word. Um, but forgiveness is the key in any form of trauma. Forgiveness of the situation, if you are a gambler, to forgive yourself for doing it. You know, because there's a, always a reason, a seed, a nucleus that burst in you that sent you down that way. And some people, unfortunately, have got addictive personalities. You know, they need to be led. They are not, they are not leaders. They need to be led. And they cling on to certain things to give them the drive in life. It's their fuel. You know, so there's many people that are like that. So my book being called Cries from Their Cells, Walking on Forgiveness Road, was my way of going right back to forgiving myself for what I thought I didn't treat my sister the way I should have treated my sister. And I was an excellent carer of her and I still am. But I mean, I was forgiving myself for 
feeling that I was missing out on life, the feeling, why don't you shut up? You know, Pam, why, why do you always have to be there, Pam? Although I gave her excellent care, I would begrudgingly gave it sometimes. So it's forgiving myself for that. Forgiving my uncle for abusing me. Forgiving my ex-husband for literally torturing and gaslighting me and being a narcissistic person. Because I had to come, I had to draw myself right back and I says, if I at two years old took on such a diverse amount of personalities because of the circumstances that I was fed, how do I know what stemmed my uncle to be the man he became? What stemmed my ex to become the man he became? What stems anyone? What is the seed that is planted within that person that is watered by the environment and circumstances that makes them turn out the way they are? Were they a dependent or an independent driven person? I had to go right back and analyze my two-year-old self and say how much I moved and how much I had to desensitize myself, my upbringing and strip right back and find the core element of Jeanette Barrett who I should have really been, the gifts that was instilled in me. I had to pluck it from the core blueprint and expel the demons and then find the skeleton of Jeanette Barrett and reclothe her with who she's supposed to be. Now, that took years to do, but I had to address it. Did my uncle address his did my ex-husband address his did he have the chance to address it when a baby comes out of the female body is that baby a sinner a narcissist an arsonist and a drug addict is that baby that is born and takes that first breath that character no they are not some circumstance environment food allergies whatever it may be is permeated into that being that innocent being that makes them morph into something ugly so i had to go back and i had to find that forgiveness in order for me to be whole and for me to be the person i really can be and radiate the full lightness of myself, which is what I wanted. I knew it was in there because if I could care for people in such a manner to change their lives and everything else, there must be something in me that